Welcome to the Happy Homeschool, where we talk about creative homeschool inspiration rooted in relationships for the nonconformist, dedicated parent. I'm Laura Blodgett. And my goal at the Happy Homeschool is to inspire and equip you to create a learning environment that makes home everyone's favorite place. You can always read more at thehappyhomeschool.com. Hello, I'm Laura. Let's talk about teaching your child about having a conversation. I'm going to start with a story. Some time ago, my Chinese teacher and I were working on an episode for my Fun Learning Chinese podcast. It was a story about an extremely disgusting big fly that was dive-bombing me in my study one winter day. Now, my Chinese teacher is fluent in English, but once in a while she is not familiar with the phrase. So it was that when I talked about battling using a fly swatter, she translated it in her mind as flies water into Chinese. As I typed the characters in Chinese that she was relating back to me, I questioned her again in English, but she still heard flies water. Since I didn't know how to say swatter in Chinese, we went back and forth this way a few times. Finally, she understood and told me she thought flies water was a very strange thing to be chasing a fly with, but it was my story. Then she assured me she knew what a fly swatter was, and it was just not vocabulary that she had used more than a couple of times in English. You might think this is only a problem between two such distinct languages, but on some level, everyone has their own language or how they process what is being said based on their favorite words, their experiences, their jobs or interests, and even their current state of mind. This is one reason holding a conversation is a skill. What is the purpose of conversation or how would you define conversation? I would define it as both an attempt at mutually satisfying communication and also an exchange of information, ideas, and perspectives to help people understand each other and situations. This distinguishes conversation from debates, lectures, or even court proceedings. Here's an analogy. When my husband and I were having a home built a few years ago, we had a lot of conversations about design, price, priorities, etc. If we had not, our house would have been much different. Mistakes about structural design wouldn't have been caught, and we probably would have been very disappointed with the outcome. The same can be said of relationships. Good conversations help build them. But what mediums can be used for conversation? Really, any way that people communicate can be used for conversation. But talking voice-to-voice, especially face-to-face, has the greatest potential for communication in many cases. Conversation takes two people at least, and while there can still be conversation in a group, it is rarely as intimate or getting down to the, the heart of things the same way when there are more people. Conversation occurs most easily with someone you already know because you understand their foundational beliefs, their ways of expressing themselves, and their character. You know what to expect, but you still have to be careful to try to understand in a given moment. This is one reason there is such a thing as an inside joke. 
For instance, in our family, any reference to a snow leopard usually is referring to a squirrel, a definite case of you had to be there. Conversation will really only take place if both, if it's two people, or at least some, if it's a group, of those people involved want to mutually communicate. This doesn't mean it's always pleasant, but on some level, information from each is received and responded to by the other with honest intentions. Many conversations break down because of selfish perspectives, things like getting offended, being impatient, or having no real desire to get along. You can probably summarize it all as a lack of loving your neighbor as yourself. This doesn't mean you have to listen to everyone or anyone on their timetable or about everything they want to talk about, but it does mean that if you want communication or conversation to be worthwhile, it should be based on care for the other person, like they matter because they also are a human created in the image of God. It is true that people believe and proclaim some pretty questionable things. However, I have discovered that there are ways to influence most people to actually have a conversation when there's this kind of misunderstanding or disagreement, even when they would rather be talking without having a conversation. There are, of course, exceptions. There is someone in my sphere right now who only talked about himself until very recently. I think I could have told him my house was on fire and he would just go on talking about himself. But my efforts to be genuinely friendly and interested in his life seem to have finally shown signs of paying off. Recently, he offered to do something for us out of the blue, and the conversation was more mutual. There are also those people who refuse to communicate at all or in any meaningful sense. They have taken selfishness to the next level. And selfishness shows up in ways that we're not necessarily taught to think of it. Selfishness boils down to being more concerned for yourself no matter how it affects the other person. And the best you can do in those circumstances is to be polite in the exchange if and when it's necessary. I remember a particular occasion when we came back into contact unexpectedly with a family uh, that my family had been close friends with growing up. So we children had played a lot together. And the young man who was my age, I had played with him when I was in grade school. And then this was in high school when we met them again. I saw his sister first and said hi to her. And I said, you know, where's your brother? I, I want to say hi to him. And she looked at me and she said this thing that didn't make sense at the time. She said, he's not going to want to see you. And I couldn't think why not, because we had been on the best of terms when we had last seen each other. So she pointed to him and I walked over and said hi. And he took one look at me and looked away and didn't say anything. Well, it became obvious right away that the reason was that I had grown to be five foot eight inches tall, which is not overly tall for a woman in high school even, but he had not grown much at all. He was still extremely short. And so his selfishness uh, manifesting as his self-consciousness there made it so that he would not even greet an old friend. But a lot of people actually crave meaningful heart-to-heart -heart conversation, for we are social beings. When you teach your children how to have a conversation, it will not only benefit them throughout their lives, but it will benefit the parent-child relationship from early on. They will learn 
to be thinking about how to mutually communicate instead of simply reacting or arguing. I'd like to end with one more story about a very serious situation where conversation was both useful and then also in the story, it illustrates a lot of what is going on in people's heads during conversation. A number of years ago, I was with a group of people close to me, and we were all in the hospital because someone of our circle was dying. The doctor had said he had done all he could. Death was expected in a day or two. The dying person was unconscious. Another person of our group was in great distress because of a conflict that was being felt of, on one hand, not wanting to physically see the loved one, but obviously not settled in that decision, as evidenced by the agitation. Now, I'll just add here that I was also very distressed by the situation, but not by this particular dilemma. I had been going into the room a lot. So I was in a position to ask this person who was so agitated if we could talk privately for a few minutes. This was easily agreed to, and so I was able to suggest two things. The first thing was that there could be comfort to the unconscious person in the hospital room by this other person who was important to them, because it's not always easy to tell how much a person in that state of unconsciousness is affected by what's going on in the room or what they hear around them. And two, I suspected that there would be lifelong regret if the person did not take this opportunity to go in and talk to the dying person. The person that I was encouraging immediately relaxed and decided to go into the visit into visit the dying person. Everything changed in their mind and demeanor as soon as the needs of the other person were examined in love. They actually ended up going in and out of the room several more times over the course of the next two days and being of great support to everyone and obviously glad they had broken through that barrier. There are particular things you can learn about conversation, and it is one of the things I will go into in more depth in the Happy Homeschool Heartbeat newsletter, which you can subscribe to. But all of this is still built on the premise of caring for the other person, of loving your neighbor as yourself with your attitude and your words. Just thinking about that will greatly enhance anyone's conversation skills. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. Make sure you have signed up for the Dangerously Helpful Homeschool Dispatch. When you do, you will receive my best 25 homeschool tips. Now go out there and have fun creating a fantastic homeschooling experience for you and your children. <music>